All right. Why don't you guys find your seat? I'm going to do this one quickly. I've got my timer going. The V1 Kids team was one more Pentecostal Sunday away from all quitting on us. So we're going to try to get this thing done. But how many of you love being in a church that honors the spiritual realm? You know, we have to honor that. We're in this series called I is for Impossible. And last week, that was a crazy Mother's Day. I will tell you what, I, that was the first time I ever preached a Mother's Day sermon. I think it was a success. And, and the power of God was there. It went a little long, that third service, but the glory of God was so potent on Long Island. People were falling out. Nobody was touching them. And I just said, okay, Lord, here we go again. So I, I've got a message for you today, though. Our series is called I is for Impossible, and this message is Confrontation is Necessary. Oh, raise your hand if you're like me, and the thought of confrontation gives you diarrhea. Anybody else? Oh, I'm talking about the Mick Gurgle. You know, I'm talking about that feeling when there's a rumbling and a tumbling, when you're like, oh, I don't want to talk to my boss today. I don't want to have to have this conversation with my spouse. I don't want to have anybody else. Just you don't like confrontation. Okay. Even the most bold people in our midst, we don't like confrontation. But I got this message because the Lord told me, Mike, if you teach your people how to confront people how to confront their past and then to confront possibilities, then the impossible will become possible. And so that's it. We, matter of fact, if you go through V1 College, one of the main things you're going to learn is how to confront. The world is broken, not because there's conflict, but because no one knows how to confront. There's nuclear weapons and warfare in the earth militarily not because we don't have the solutions to the problems, but because we don't have the wisdom for how to confront. There's people who got divorced, not because they didn't love each other, but because they didn't know how to confront. Ooh. They knew how to make love, though. Earmuffs, son. They knew how to make money, but they didn't know how to confront. So if we learn how to confront and we see what God has to say about it, the impossible becomes possible. And so Galatians chapter one, verse 10 says like this, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? The first thing you got to learn when you're confronting people is you don't need the approval of people. You need the approval of God. You don't need people to like you because God loves you. You don't need people to accept you because you are accepted by him through Jesus Christ. And so whose approval are you living for? Who cares what they think? You will end up going to the wrong church because of someone's opinion about a place you love. You'll end up in the wrong relationship because someone's opinion about somebody you actually like. Who would you be without the influence of their thoughts? Some of y'all never would have became an atheist until you had an atheist friend. Oh, some of you never would have become addicted unless you had a friend who was already addicted. So, oh, some of you, oh man, I'm speaking into something. Some of you have to get over seeking the approval of man. And Galatians chapter one, verse 10 says, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be an apostle. This is what they were saying. I can't even do my job if I care what you think. 
We live in a day and age where I have to make a decision. Am I going to give them Mike Signorelli's opinion or the word of God? Pastors who care about people's opinion preach people's opinions. Pastors who care about God's opinion preach the word of God. Guess what? People say only God can judge me. Well, that's partially true. Everybody has the ability to judge you, but the only opinion that matters is his judgment. And I'd rather be in right standing with him than be in the favor of man. The favor of man will get you a job, but the favor of God will get you a calling. Oh, come on, somebody. The favor of man will get you finances, but the favor of God will give you an abundance. The favor of man will put you in a position, but the favor of God will open up a door that no man can shut. Oh, I wish you heard me preaching you today. Do you care about what they think? Because if you care about what they think, you get what their thinking produces. But if you care about what he thinks, you get what the mind of God produces. Oh, somebody. We have to get over what they think. You know, people will show up. I don't know about V1. It don't take all that. Can I just tell you the same people who are making fun of how loud and how wild your prayers are now are going to end up in impossible situations. And when the doctor doesn't have a pill or a surgery or a medication, come on, when the psychiatrist says, give me more money, it's going to take another five years to get down to the root system of this. Come on, when the economy continues to diminish and the employers lay them off, those same friends, oh, if you'll learn how to confront and take a stand for Jesus, if you'll learn how to unapologetically be who you are in this building and that building, in this building and that car, then all of a sudden those same people, not all of them, but a percentage of them will come back to you and say, hey, I know I made fun of you for the way that you prayed, but I got something that needs a healing that nobody else can heal. Can you pray one of those loud prayers over me? Can you speak? Can you? Oh, I know that I wanted to go to lunch that day, but but now I need that prayer. Can you come to me? See, first they're going to make fun of you, and then some are going to beg you, will you come back and cry out to heaven? I've heard them say, I know that your God hears you. Oh, yes, he does. And not because I'm loud, but because I'm his. Oh, I feel the anointing all over this. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Am I now seeking the approval of man? They're not going to understand you. They're never going to have enough money to fund what God placed inside of you. Do you understand why I'm trying to help? Get, get ready to be rejected by the people that you think have the greatest ability to help you. Matter of fact, it's going to hurt you the most when you think they're the, they're the ones who can help you the most. Oh, if I could just sit down with Mike Signorelli and tell him what God called me to, if I could just get around Pastor Eddie enough and convince him, no, listen, if you will learn how to go to him for your supply, if you'll go to him, I'm telling you, I've had people in my life where I've said, oh, if they just understood who I was. He understands who I was because he knit me in my mother's womb. He knew me before my mother gave me a name. And on the other side of the great white throne judgment, I'm going to be presented with a stone that reveals my true name. And only he knows my true name. Y'all know me as Michael now, but on the other side, he's going to reveal all of our real names. See, he knows us. And see, this thing about confrontation is sometimes we'll be so afraid to confront. And then on the other side of it, we'll miss our next level. Confrontation is the bridge between stagnation and transformation. 
Oh, let me rewind that for the note takers. Do we have any note takers in the house? Confrontation is the bridge between stagnation and transformation. Confrontation is the bridge. And so if you want to be transformed, you must be willing to confront. Confront other people, not out of a mean, angry spirit, not out of jealousy, not out of rebellion, but to confront and to say, let's talk about this. Let's work this thing out. Let's step into it. If you don't like who I am right now, if you can't stand the sound of speaking in tongues, then there's another spirit inside of you because the Holy Spirit inside of me actually gave me the gift to speak in tongues. If you don't like the sound of tongues, it's because there's another spirit inside of you, probably a demonic spirit that hates that encrypted communication between me and heaven that nobody can understand. It's probably another spirit inside of you. I'm confronting something. I'm not being mean about it, but I'm giving you an opportunity because wherever there's confrontation, the door opens for transformation. Sometimes the people that you're working with want to get free and you'll never know their desires until you're willing to stand for righteous desires that are inside of you. You'll never know who wants to stop Stop drinking until you stop getting drunk with them. You'll never know. Oh, you'll never know who wants to stop cussing until you start using your mouth for blessing. You'll never know who wants to stop gossiping until you start prophesying and stop complaining about people. You confront and take a stand and stop caring what they think and then you'll be transformed. Confrontation is the bridge from stagnation to transformation. I've chosen this side of the stage to represent everything good today. I don't know if you could tell what I'm doing. It's masterful. You know why? I got some pastors. I'm walking this right out in front of you. I got some pastors in my life. They pastor some of the most significant churches in America, non-denominational. I know they speak in tongues privately. They'll never do it publicly. I thought, well, that's what you have to do to be successful. Silence the Holy Spirit. I know some pastors will say, well, we believe in deliverance, but we always do it in the back room. And I thought that's how that you became successful as a church. You just do deliverance in quiet places where nobody can see and we preserve people's dignity. The problem is when I read all of the gospels and saw the way that my master Jesus did it, it was always in public. Uh, the, the problem is they actually left the upper room, which is a private experience, and they went into the public and begin to speak in tongues. And then there's a scripture that says tongues are a sign to unbelievers. And then I realized, wait a second, I'm leading my church out of the approval of man. And the person that I'm actually in enmity with is the one who anointed and gifted me. And so I'd rather do what he wants me to do than what they think that I should do. And then guess what happened when I unlocked and unleashed what God gave me. We explosively grew. You have to have integrity to what he called you to do, and it's going to take confrontation. Now I got reformed pastors telling my other pastors, I got a message today, oh, Pastor Mike's our guilty pleasure. We listen to his sermons every week. So now I'm somebody's side chick. I'm, I'm somebody's pastoral side chick. What are you listening in those headphones? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I found that out in the, in the gospel coalition. I'm the guilty pleasure now. I got that message. I talked to a whole group of pastors who said, oh, we secretly listen to Mike Signorelli. 
<laughs> Why do I say that? Confrontation is the bridge between stagnation and transformation. You're going to have to come out and be who you really are because the Bible says that a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. So if you go to work and you're one person and you come to church, you're another person, the work person always wins. If you go to home and, and, and then you come to church, the home person always wins. It, it, that, that's just the way it works. You got to make up your mind. I am going to be the same person everywhere I go. And the closer people get to me, the more God they're going to see on the inside of me. Of course, they're going to see frailty, but in these broken jars of clay, there's the light that shines through it. And I'm going to see the humanity, but then I'm going to see God's divinity through the humanity. We've got to get to that point. It's hard trying to manage multiple personalities. Am I right? Especially when you made them all and you named them all. Well, this is the work me. This is the home me. This is the church me. This is me with this friend group, and they're more prophetic. And then this is me with this group. They're more theological and doctrinal. This is me with that group. Uh, they just like to barbecue and, and drink. And then this is me with this other group. And you're becoming so many different people, and you're naming each personality in your head. And then, you worry, and then you're like, why do I feel so much anxiety in life? You've produced identities. We are not made to manage more than one personality. That's why when you're with me, you're going to get the same version of me everywhere I go. And if you don't like it, baby, you can leave it. And then when you go through something hard, I'll see you back. Keep my number. Don't block me because I know you'll be back. So I'm trying to empower you. People who don't go to any church will criticize your church. People who aren't married will tell you how to be married. People who can't have kids will tell you how to raise your kids. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on. Somebody say confront people. All right. Philippians chapter two, verse seven, it says, but man, but, but Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So Philippians, the writer says that he, that Jesus himself made himself of no reputation, meaning I know not everybody is going to like me, but like Steve Jobs said, if you want everybody to like you become an ice cream salesman, those are the only people that everybody likes and not anymore because since then we are all lactose intolerant. We're vegan. So even since Steve Jobs said that, I'm sure there's some cruelty against animals and the environment by the result of you pushing an organic ice cream cart through New York City. So here's the thing. In trying to win everybody, you lose everybody. And Jesus understood, I've got to be willing to please my father because if I please him, the ones that also want to please him will come into relationship with me. And the ones who are in it for selfish ambition, the ones who are in it for a feel-good experience, they'll all be shaken loose. And that's why he says we don't have to separate the sheep from the goat. We don't have to separate the, the uh, chaff from the, um, the wheat. Thank you. We, we, the Lord will do the separation. And so here's the thing about Philippians. He made himself of no reputation. Stop trying to protect your reputation and start trying to protect your confrontation. I'm going to spend more time confronting, speaking into the things. Hey, if you're a parent, your kid doesn't have to like you. 
your kid, if they're under the, if they're 18 or under, has to do what you tell them to do. If you tell them to read the Bible, they have to read the Bible. If you tell them to eat broccoli, they have to eat broccoli. If you tell them it's time to pray, homie, open your mouth and start praying, Everly. You're not my parent. I'm your parent. And I have to seek the approval of God, and I don't care what your preference is. And so I've become of no reputation. Matter of fact, people who are good at confrontation, you'll hate them in the short term and love them in the long term. That's the beauty of it. I'm your worst enemy today. I'm your best friend tomorrow once you get off of being stuck on stupid. Philippians says, he made himself of no reputation. He knew that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were going to be against him. He knew that no matter what he said, it was never good enough explanation. So whose life are you living in response to people who don't even give you Christmas cards? Some of you just got a secondhand offense right there. Some of you're afraid of the opinion of people who don't even know when your birthday is. You're afraid of the opinion of people who won't even help you move if you bought a pizza and invited them over? You're afraid of the opinion of people? Listen, if they talk about other people when they're with you, they're talking about you when they're not with you. You understand that, right? You understand that, right? So we have to learn how to confront. Acts chapter 5, verse 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and they said, we ought to obey God rather than man. We ought to obey God rather than man. I'm not talking about being spiritually rebellious. I'm not talking about not submitting to God's delegated authority through man. But what I'm saying is when silence fails, confrontation prevails. When silence fails, confrontation prevails. What do I mean by that? There are some times where you're going to have to say, what did God tell me to do? What does he want me to do? And in the midst of this silence, I'm, let, me, let me tell you a quick story. The very first time that I went to Western Ukraine, there was a building, and in the side of this building was etched the David's harp. And if you go to Jerusalem, you'll see David's harp etched in stone everywhere. And that was actually, you know, David played the harp, and he was known as a skilled musician. So I saw this building, and I pointed to it, and I told the local pastors, I said, we're going to do a revival in that place. And it was, uh, they, they said, wow, that's so crazy because it's been 40 years and all pastors from around the world have come to Western Ukraine and, you, and you're the second person to ever say what you just said. And I said, well, who was the first person? They said, Derek Prince. <laughs> For those of you who know who Derek Prince is, he's one of the most prolific deliverance ministers of the last 100 years. So literally, like Derek Prince led all of these pastors to Christ 35 years ago and would hold revivals in this puppet theater. And then there were no revivals for, for over 30 years. And then this new guy shows up, Mike Signorelli, and I said, you see that building with David's heart? We're to do revivals in there. Now, why do I say that? So there's a young Evan Wilson, even younger than he is now. And we're, we, we do this big event and we call it a, uh, we call it a health and wellness for families event because Ukraine is a new nation, meaning that just a little over 40 years ago, they were still a communist nation. You'll understand they were still Russia. So that's why everything that's happening there is so significant prophetically. And as a new nation, there's still 
covert Russian things that happened in there. There's still some of the old mindsets from communism, which severely restricted religious freedoms. So we do this big open air concert where I was going to lead worship in English. And then Evan was on the band playing bass. This is the first time Evan ever flew in an airplane was with me all the way to Ukraine. Can you imagine? Talk about baptism of fire. He's like, I've never left Chesterton, Indiana. I was like, well, let's go to a post-communist nation and go to jail together. We didn't tell his mom that part. And Evan's like, yeah, let's do it. I told his mom, I'll take care of him. And then that night he ended up bashing his head and getting stitches and bleeding all over. And his mom's like, what'd you do to my son? I was like, he'll be fine. He has a scar for the gospel. He's, he's becoming a real G now, a uppercase G, you know? So anyways, that night, 2,000 people show up, 2,000 people instantly, boom, to hear the Americans do a concert at this health and wellness event. And all of a sudden, I go to my translator and I said, get ready, here's my notes. We're gonna, I'm gonna preach this sermon. I'm gonna try to lead all these people to Christ. And he go, he's shaking. And he's like, do you, you see, uh, he goes, do you see those men over there? Those men are all undercover. And if I go up there and this is a health and wellness family event and we start preaching the gospel open air, they're gonna take us to jail. And I said, really? I've been waiting. I'm like, I'm gonna have a good story, you know? I, I literally, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, really? They'll take us to jail? He's like, yes, they'll take us to jail. And I said, oh, you know? <laughs> and on this is a true story. So I'm like, come on, let's go. So all of a sudden he's like, no, I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not going. So I'm like, what? So I get up there. I, I deliver that sermon. Now, obviously, significantly reduced the amount of people who could understand it because I have no translator. There were many young people that did get saved, and God used that as an impetus for a youth revival that happened in Western Ukraine, and there's still fruit from that revival. And of course, I didn't get to go to jail. <laughs> I know. My point in saying that, though, is there are times in life where you have to make up your mind, who am I living in response to, him or him? Now, that man that didn't do the translating that day, I'm so proud to announce to you that when this Ukrainian war happened, I checked in on him. I said, hey, remember that guy, Vlodja? What happened to Vlodja? And man, I began to cry when they gave me the news. They said as soon as the war was announced, and he's an older man now, he re-enlisted in the army and told all the pastors in this area, I missed my opportunity years ago. And he said, I'm suiting up, I'm putting on an, a uniform and I'm going to the front lines of the battle and I'm gonna preach the gospel to both sides, Ukraine and Russia, and I'm gonna lead as many people to Jesus as possible and if I die, I die. Praise God. There's seeds that were sown. Confrontation brings transformation. There are people, and he's reporting back stories of people getting saved on both sides like crazy right now. And he's saying the longer the war goes, the more salvations happen. See, there's got to be something that is birthed out of confrontation. The real you is waiting on the other side of the transformation that happens from confrontation. Too much alliteration. The last one is this. The last two, confront your past and confront possibilities. The thing about your past is this. Your past produces the expectations that bias your perception of the present. I know I'm going deep, 
But whatever you experienced in the past actually infiltrates your, your, your perception of the present, which actually directs your future. Can I help you understand? I have all these precious women in our church who've been through divorces. And as their pastor, I have prophetic vision for some of them to get married again. And sometimes I'll go to them and I'll say, I see a vision of you getting married again. They say, oh no, I'm gonna be single for the rest of my life. I love being single. And then I say, come over here for a second. Let me talk, let's talk to Papa Six. You were hurt in your past. It's changing your perception of the present and affecting your future. Because one man failed doesn't mean every man will fail. I, I, I believe, no, it's getting heavy. I believe that our best singers in this whole church are still in the audience and they're too afraid to try out because they were hurt. Come on, I know I'm speaking into some and you're letting your past affect your present and affect your future. I believe that some of the most powerful musicians that we have in our church, nobody's heard you drum. They haven't heard you play the bass or the guitar because you went to another church that made you a Christian Jew box and they used you for their, your gift and didn't care about who you were. And then all of a sudden you're allowing your past to infiltrate your present. Most people that have issues in, in the church are referencing a trauma trigger from the past. And they're attributing a different motive to the same action in the future. Oh, come on. I know I'm speaking into something. Here's another story to go with this. Pre-pandemic, we had launched three locations pretty quickly. And it was a very special time in V1. Oh, man, we would do church. Sometimes I long for those days. My wife and I were asking for an evening service the other day. We just love to be in the house of God. I don't know why it makes me want to cry. I just love this. Not, not preaching all this. I just love seeing people get free. And man, that time was a special time. We would wake up in the morning, 4 or 5 a.m., and we would say, we had a phrase called all day club. You know, Indiana, I got a bone to pick with you. You guys are weak. You only have two services. We need to turn it up. And you got your own building year one. Here in New York, do you remember waking up at four in the morning and we would go all day in the movie theater and then we would go to the evening and I, we need to turn it up in Indiana a little bit. Come on. And here, you know, y'all getting comfortable on Long Island too. You know, y'all getting too comfortable over there in Long Island. You know, am I right? You got used to it. You know, you know, I'm teasing. But the thing I'm trying to help you understand is we would go to church. I mean, we were, every venue was load in, load out, all three of them. Every venue, load in, load out, all day services. And man, we had, man, the guy that you can't see who's behind the camera right now in New York City was an employee of the movie theater that we went in in Queens. And you can't even see him behind that camera. And we loved being in load in, load out because we said, all y'all coming into these venues got to come through us. And I remember I saw him and I said, and I remember I told the team, I pulled him aside. I said, Randall, you see that guy working over there? And he said, yeah. I said, he's one of us. He don't know it yet, but we know it. And now he's running a camera that's to the simulcast to all the locations. Ain't that crazy? But the story I was going to tell is that we were three services or seven services pre-pandemic and, uh, three locations, all load in, load out, just straight suffering, but we loved every second of it. And here's the thing, as we were going through that season, 
I remember the Holy Spirit told me, he said, Mike, I want you to get all the worship teams together from all three campuses in one room, and I want you to tell them something. I said, what? What do you want me to tell them, Lord? What word? And he said, tell them that all of them have the whole summer off, and you only want to do one solo acoustic person at every location and uh, give them all that, that time off. And I said, well, God, we built this whole church off this powerful production and all the instruments and real big worship moments. Is the church going to dwindle? Is it going to be, or are people going to come and it's going to be this weak, you know, uh, underwhelming worship experience. And the Lord says, Mike, you can do church without production, but you can't do church without people. And I need you to strong, send a strong message to the entire worship team that you love them not what they can do for your church. And we got into that room and I sat them all down. I had all the locations represented and some of you who were here were there in that meeting. And I looked at them, I said, okay guys, executive decision from the lead pastor for the next three, four months, all of you are off of worship, except for one at each location on an acoustic and we're just gonna get through it. And uh, everybody was like, oh. I think it was the initial shock. Some people thought, did we do something wrong? And I said, I just want to tell you, I got, one, I got one request, though. I want you to take the Wednesdays that you normally would be at rehearsal, and I want you to go to the beach together. I want you to be friends with each other. Go, go out to eat together. And I just want you to know that you matter more to this house than what you could do for this house, and we love you. And I begin to say that, and then they just started. I, hear, I heard this sniffling, and then they started crying. And then they started crying harder and harder. I was like, what is going on? And then they begin to speak. And one said, I always felt like my lead pastor never loved me at the other church. I always felt like I was a Christian jukebox. One of them said that phrase, Christian jukebox. And they just begin to weep and they started to get free. But I had to confront, I had to confront their past because there was freedom on the other side of that. Now, listen, we do it with excellence unto the Lord. We dare not give our employers more than the kingdom. We dare not give our family, even blood family, more than the kingdom. Of course, we seek the kingdom first, but there's these moments where we got to confront some things. And I was dealing with some things confronting the past, and there was a freedom in that. So I'm convinced that there are many people across our campuses, Sandra, that have not confronted their past yet, and they're not coming forward to actually go join the, 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 and it's not because we don't have call outs, it's because they don't know how to call out their past. I'm convinced that there's people with a teaching gift, and the last time they tried to teach in their other church, they got shut down. But guess what? There's no way that Pastor Eddie can sustain a 200-person connect group. He needs more teachers to rise up. I'm convinced that, that some of our best dream team members, they're not here. Why? Because they haven't confronted their past. we got to take a look at it. Do you feel the anointing on this, somebody? There's the power of confrontation of your past. I'm convinced that the next level is here. Would you all stand to your feet across every location? I was thinking about this message, thinking about what could be. Don't let what happened to you stop what God wants to do through you. 
Don't let how they treated you bias how God wants to bring people into your life to treat you now. Because see, what you see in the scriptures that I read today is the apostles were simply saying, I have to live in response to God's voice. The writer of Philippians, the writer of Galatians, you see them wrestling with this. And what they're saying is, God, I want to make sure that I'm doing your will. And so right now, this is what I want to have for you. I want to have an opportunity where you learn the last and final thing, which is confront possibilities. Somebody say the phrase, this time is different. Come on, somebody declare it boldly. This time is different. Come on, sometimes you need to hear that phrase, this time is different. Sometimes, let me just tell you, not every marriage should end in divorce. Sometimes it's that they don't know how to confront. My wife, Julie, and I, I love her, but did you know we never cohabitated before we got married? I didn't know that she didn't want me to keep my toothbrush out on the sink. I thought it was convenient to have your toothbrush on the sink all the time. Makes sense, doesn't it, Dean? Do you think so? I thought that when you have a nice, that you spend a lot of money to have it. I like that the worship music's playing behind this. I like that when you have a nice comforter, that you get up under that comforter. I didn't know that Caucasians buy comforters that are only for show, and then you roll them down, and you actually use an inferior comforter. I didn't know that. This is reverse racism. <laughs> because the first night Julie and I slept together in our first apartment, she yelled at me for, uh, for leaving the toothbrush out on the sink. And then when I took that new comforter and put it over me, she told me, what are you doing? And she laughed. And then when she realized I wasn't joking, it was another argument. And I said, how dare you take this comforter away from me? I didn't know that. Why do I say this? Because the, the solution wasn't divorce, it was confrontation. Here's my wisdom key. Follow me. Confrontation is uncomfortable, but wherever you have confrontation, you have true connection. Do you guys feel this? My, my wife and I had never cohabitated. We didn't have a true connection. We had enough of a romantic connection. We had enough of a spiritual connection. But we thought that was enough to make a marriage. But it was confrontation that brought the true connection. It was me getting triggered in poverty and thinking about all these things. Did you know that every season of your life will unearth pain from your past to another level? And there were things I didn't know I was hurting about until I had my first child and my dad wasn't there. There were things I didn't know I was hurting about until I got married and stood at the aisle my dad wasn't there every new season unearths a previous season and you have to learn how to confront to get real connection what if you feel alone not because you're alone but because you're not vulnerable you're not intimate you're not giving yourself what if you don't feel connected to v1 church not because there's not connections but because you're not being vulnerable you're not being intimate you're not connecting sometimes you got to learn that there there is comfort in confrontation. Bring the music down. When the church was new, before we had all these pastors, I used to do about 15 one-hour meetings a week with our congregants. And our church was about 100 people. 
And I can't tell you how many times we would have a meeting and they'd say, okay, Pastor Mike, I've got to confront something. I don't want to leave our church, but why do we do things like this? And I would say, hey, to be honest with you, I never thought about it like that. Actually, that's really good information. I'd love for us to change. Can you help me? Can you? And (laughs) the first thing that would happen, their jaw would hit the floor and they'd be like, you're not kicking me out of the church? Oh no, the problems you see, you were created to fix. And the problems I see, I was created to fix and we're better together. Let's fix it together. Wait, what? You're not gonna call me a Jezebel? You're not gonna tell me to take a seat? You're not gonna cast me out? Oh no, I need you. We are working on a 10,000 piece puzzle called V1 Church and we all have the picture together. And if you bring your pieces and I bring my pieces, this picture will start to form. And people will be like, what? And I say, I can't do it all. I can't see it all, but together we can. Let's make this church better together. Then sometimes they would tell me, well, tell me why we do this. And I would say, well, we do this like this. And here's what the word says. And you come from Greek Orthodox tradition and thank God for the good that came out of that tradition. But the Paul, Paul said, take the good, reject the bad. You're not at a Greek Orthodox church anymore. Or hey, you were raised Catholic and praise God for the things that were right that you did. And I believe that many people really love the Lord from Catholicism, but this is not a Catholic church. And I'd begin to tell them and they'd say, oh man, thank you so much. I'm all in, Pastor Mike. Wherever there was confrontation, there was true connection. Doesn't that make sense? And so what happens is people go to their old church. And as they're at their old church, they would bring some good information from the bottom up. And they would get slapped down so hard that they'd say, well, as soon as something happens that I don't like, my only option is to get brutally beat down or leave. So I'm going to leave. Oh, I know this is not a shouting sermon, but I'm going deep because our church is getting ready to go to the next level. And the Lord said, deal with confrontation. That's how you access the impossible. Okay, I'm going to give you wisdom. Judas was a disciple that was not going to remain. He got a kiss. Peter was a disciple that was going to become an apostle. He got a rebuke. Oh, I'm speaking wisdom. Peter, he said, get thee behind me, Satan because he knew Peter's going to remain. Judas, yeah, give me a kiss. He even says, Jesus, yes, do what you will. Get over it. Just do it fast. The faster I die, the faster I can rise. But with Peter, he said, Peter, why'd you go back to fishing? Come and talk to me. Do you love me? And he went deeper with Peter because Peter was going to remain. We have to go deeper with each other. We have to, you got to stop talking about the things about the church with your friend and start talking to a, with a leader. You, you got to go deeper now. You got to take a rebuke now because you're going to become an apostle. The Lord's trying to draw you out. You got to stop running away. You got to stop escaping. You got to stop. You got to confront. And that's why Jesus said, you see that mountain out there? You're going to, if you're my disciple, you're going to learn. We don't walk around mountains and we don't walk up and over mountains we actually tell them to move we know how to confront ancient people only understood mountains just like confrontation it's fight or it's flight i'm either going over the mountain or around the mountain but jesus said i'm gonna tell the mountain move and it's gonna move so when you get into confrontation i'm not gonna avoid confrontation and i'm not gonna hurt somebody else and destroy them i'm gonna speak to the mountain move and it's gonna move i'm not getting in my own way anymore and that's why last week when i begin to say prophesy that's
that's why the women of this church started falling out in the spirit because no man had ever told them to prophesy before every pastor had shut them up for those of you who don't understand why service went so long last week some of the women of our church have gone 30 40 years being shut up in silence by arrogant pastors and when I stood on that stage and said prophesy that it, it, it just ricocheted through their soul because what I was saying was confrontation brings transformation you don't have to run and you don't have to hide anymore somebody say to the mountain move and it's hard to understand because everybody's walking around getting triggered triggered just triggered me don't let your past trigger your trauma that taints your perspective of the present and then changes the course of your future somebody say this time is different come on do you feel it in your spirit do you feel it in your spirit your spouse can be a different person if you try confrontation differently this church can be a different church if you try confrontation differently earn the right to be consistent enough to speak into the issue earn the right because wherever you fear the most you trust the least but if you trust in God that what you're seeing he showed you if you trust in God then he's gonna make a way he's gonna open your mouth he's gonna vindicate and back you he's gonna step in and work it out I can't tell you how many times I've gone to our leaders and said the Lord just told me this and they say praise God I was gonna tell you today and now I don't have to what if I told you, and we're going to pray a big prayer across all of our locations. The Lord showed me something in the spirit. I'm ending on this, and then we're going to do a declaration all out together. What you learned today was how to confront people, how to confront your past, and then how to confront possibilities. We're going to make a declaration across every campus right now. But before we do that, here's what the Lord showed me. At the end of October, we are going to have a movie that releases across 2,000 theaters nationwide. We're working on it now. I've got people flying in from all over the world that we're interviewing for this film. It's going to be incredible. And we're working on that. And they're also giving me thousands of theaters to simulcast the largest syndicated church service in the history of the United States after the movie in late October. That means the, there's been a lot of prophecy about the mantle of Billy Graham being released on this next generation. You understand, we are gonna, I'm gonna be given an opportunity from a satellite truck to actually preach and prophesy and start a catalyst for a revival late October across the entire US. That's crazy. And we're working on that now. That's what I've been working on. But I feel like if you call this church your church and we come into the summer, the Lord keeps giving me a vision of roots going down deep and people getting activated and stepping in. Don't ever think, oh, there's no room for me at this church. They're good. No, we need more. We, have, we do not have enough connect group leaders. There's an opportunity for you to preach and to, uh, to prophesy through 3P. There's an opportunity for you to teach and lead connect groups. There's people, one of them's in this room right now, who takes my notes from Sunday and reteaches it to a group every single week. There's all kinds of opportunities to do what God called you to do, whatever that is. If you're an entrepreneur, we have kingdom builders and we're uniting together as entrepreneurs to take territory and to incubate entrepreneurial ideas this is a renaissance in the kingdom and so what I want to do we're gonna make a declaration 
is God wants you to break through. This is life after deliverance, says the Lord. First I delivered you from demons. Now it's time for you to step into your destiny. Oh, it's time to come together. And don't look at somebody with a frown and expect a smile. But if you look at them with a smile, you'll get a smile. If you embrace them, they'll embrace you. If you step in their direction, they'll step in your direction. Because the Lord says if you will activate and step in and learn the, the confrontation. You know, there's been people where I've said, well, the first time I, I met you, I didn't like you. First time I liked you, I thought, I hope I never have to have a conversation with you again. But you now have become my best friend. You ever meet anybody like that? That comes through confrontation. So what we want to do is we're going to make a declaration right now as an entire church, and then we're going to worship. And if you need to receive prayer, receive prayer. Because this time, hear me, hear me, it's one thing for the devil to be the problem. But then the devil gets removed from your life, and then you stand in your own way. There's a reward for faithfulness. There's a reward for consistency. And then there's a reward for stepping in and say, God, this time I believe, this time is different. So what I want you to do is just extend your hands like this. This is a posture of receiving openness right now. Because some of you, you're about to make friends and you haven't had friends. Some of you are about to get vulnerable and not be backstabbed this time. Some of you are about to sow into other people's lives and they're actually going to sow back into you. And you're not going to be the one that's always giving and never receiving. But you're going to actually receive and people are going to pour into you. Some of you, you're going to actually be amazed as people care about you as much as you've cared for other people. Somebody is about to come into a relationship with a connect group, with a dream team, with a worship team, with different people in the church that are going to say, I know you by the Spirit. You don't have to prove anything to me. You don't have to tell me your accolades. You can actually take off all of that pretense and be who I've called you to be, says the Lord. And a friend's going to come in and double down on the word of the Lord. So everybody across all locations, let's make a bold declaration. Say this, Lord, I trust you. You gifted me. You will make room for the gift. Activate me. Call me past my pain. Call me to the next level. I'm getting out of the boat to walk on water. I will confront. I will be vulnerable. I will step in new relationships, new possibilities. Now say it like this. I speak to the mountain. I command it to move. All wounds, all trauma, mountain move, all programming from hurt, come down. Every stronghold, come down. All rejection from the womb, I cancel it. I am accepted by Jesus. The favor of God is on my life. I am loved, I am received, and I am moving into my future right now. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. Come on, somebody celebrate.